0: Welcome to The Neighborhood. My name is Michael Lacey, husband, father, and host of The Wealthy Neighbor Show, where every week we bring you an amazing interview or a message to inspire you as you build wealth for your family. Thanks for stopping by The Neighborhood. Now let's jump right in with today's message. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Neighborhood. We have with us today Kofi Javio. He is the founder of 400 Pound Elephant, a personal finance company that helps young professionals achieve financial independence. He has a background in banking as he started his career in finance at State Farm Bank, and his coaching empowers people to get out of debt, save money, and build generational wealth. He's a community leader recognized as a champion of justice and equality by the Urban League of Greater Atlanta. Kofi is also a graduate of Bowling Green State University. He was recently inducted into the 2019 Emerging 100 of Atlanta class. And Kofi's own debt-free journey is a testament to what's possible with a bit of focus and a bit of discipline. And so he paid off $34,000 of student loans in just one year. (laughs) But before we jump into that, Kofi, can you, from your perspective, share how money was handled in your household growing up? Um. So first and
1: foremost, thanks so much for for having me. Uh Glad to to be here. How was money handled in my household? Uh, there wasn't much of it, so it was you get it and you save it. And I, I I believe that that was really the overarching ideology around money in my household was to save it. My mom always used to say even if you get 50, even if you save $50, always save a little bit. Uh, we didn't, we didn't particularly splurge. Um, you know, I, 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 I grew up with everything. I was never lacking for anything. Uh, my big thing or what, what my family taught me was to put it in the bank. So I think when I was 11 or 12, I opened up a bank account at a local credit union. I, you know, used to give money away as a, as a kid. I was very, Uh, empathetic and had sympathy for the homeless. Um, And then in high school, some of my friends, they taught me this game called Tunk. So uh, it's a card game. So we used to play for, you know, a dollar, 50 cents at lunch. (laughs) And so that was probably like the height or the riskiest thing I ever did with money. But it was really a game of saving money and in my household growing up.
0: So somewhere along that journey, even though you grew up with a a saving background and and saving was really important to you, you found yourself $34,000 in debt. And so (laughs) talk to me about how that came to be, that time period in your life and how you accumulated that much debt.
1: (sighs) College and a little thing called interest is, is how it came to be. So I did two years of community college. um, And then when I went off to college, I was out of state. So what they did is they I love my alma mater, but they gave me a scholarship. But it was incumbent upon me not applying for in-state tuition after one year of living in the state. Yeah. So, you know, I I took it. I was like, okay, I'm getting I'm getting a scholarship. This is a good thing. And I worked throughout college. Uh, I paid things off. And I think, you know, when when I graduated, I struggled to find a job. And I think because of my struggle to find a job, I didn't, I, I really couldn't find loans. I graduated on the back end of the Great Recession. And so because of that, I think I saw people doing much better on me via social media. Um, I saw my friends really, I, I think... I saw them getting their full worth of their degree and I didn't. And so even when I got to a place where I could pay off my loans, I think there was a little bit of resentment towards uh, my alma mater because I had struggled so much. My first job, I worked in security overnight and I was just applying for nonprofit jobs and I just wasn't hitting on anything. And doing that scroll through social media, it just built something up in me that uh, made it difficult for me to pay it back. But at the same time, I say interest because within six years, my student loans almost doubled just via interest. I had some uh, unsubsidized loans that started growing interest the, the minute I walked into uh, college. And they had just been growing ever since. And I was never covering that uh, that interest. So, it was a combination of of those two things, a really bad decision of not keeping track. And I got to a point where I hadn't been looking at my loans. I didn't know how much I'd accrued. And it really took a heart to heart and some courage for me to go in and log in and see what that number was, which I'm not, I'm not proud of. And my advice to people is, is never to let it get to the point where you just don't look at it at
0: all. So, when you finished school, what was the total that you had? I know it ended up being 34. But yeah. You said it grew. I mean, what was the total that you ended up taking out? Actually? When I, when I, and
1: I didn't even, that's the thing. It was like 16 to 17,000.
0: Wow. Okay. So, 16 to <laughs> 17,000, it literally doubles on you. <laughs> that's crazy. So, okay. So, then going back to, the beginning of this thing when you when, you know yeah. when you're getting ready to go to college, is there anything that maybe you felt like you would have done a little differently to kind of um, help offset some of that cost, or was that just kind of what you felt like you had to do in that moment
1: you know that's that's such a good question. If I could have done anything differently, I probably would have applied for more scholarships. So many people i mean neighbors would come to my house and they would drop <laughs> they would drop off pieces of paper. With a website saying, "Go in and write an essay, and I was lazy. You just call a spade a spade. I just I didn't see the merit in it, but I also didn't understand the implication of student loan tuition like that was not a thing to me, right? So we're sitting here now and been through this journey, and I'm past this thing. but if somebody sat me down and they said, "Okay, we're not giving you money for college. we don't have money to cover your your full tuition so you're going to have to pay for some of this. And on the back end, you're going to owe. So to uh, limit and to to mitigate the amount, the, the large amounts that you're going to have to take out by applying for some of these scholarships, when you come out, you won't owe as much. That was not a framework that it wasn't a thing to me. It was just like, right, right. oh, you're just going to go to college and you'll take out some loans. But You'll be making so much that it's going you're going to pay it off like it's nothing. And and with a sociology degree, that that didn't happen. In a market where people were dipping down with their masters and with their PhDs into more entry-level positions, that that conversation never happened. You just went into the financial aid uh office and you applied for financial aid and you never understood what you were really signing up for.
0: You you said something earlier. You said that. After college, you struggled to find a job, struggled to 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 land full time income, right? And yeah. once you did, you felt a little bit of resentment for, towards your institution for that. And so I know, thinking of myself, if I was in that situation, me personally, I probably would have been pretty complacent, you know, with my loans as well, but. Um, for you, there was a moment where something clicked, and you just decided, you know what, I'm gonna address this. I'm gonna pay this off. What was that moment for you? Like, what was the build up to that decision? The build up was, oh, bless her heart. The build up was
1: me sitting down with my then girlfriend, um, now fiance, uh, soon to be wife, and she was like, "Baby, how much money do you have saved up?" And I was like, "I don't know, like thirty thousand dollars," and. I say this very open, very freely. I've written about it. I've, I've talked about it. And she was like, How much do you have in student loans? And I'm like, I don't. And I, I didn't know. That's that point where I didn't know. So she was like, You should probably figure that out because she frameworked it like, What if somebody lets you borrow some money and they just stacked up a whole bunch of money, not paying you back? And it's growing interest. And fundamentally, I knew all of these things, but mm-hmm. I'd gotten complacent. I'd ignored it. I ignored the calls. I knew when they were calling me, I'd screened it. I would ignore it. I'd pay $100 here, $20 there. But it was really that conversation. As she would be working through Excel spreadsheets and paying things off, I would just be scrolling through Instagram, not addressing it. And the moment that I went in and I built up the courage to go in and see how much I I earned. Even I get a little thing in my chest, even thinking about that first time I went in and looked at it. um, I knew that I borrowed the money. I knew that I had to pay it back. I was just being irresponsible. And it was really her saying, hey, you should probably get a handle on this. I'm, I'm going to be doing it. And if we have a future together, we need to get this right.
0: So then from that place, right, a lot of people would look at that and go, okay, I'm looking at this. I owe 34000 Like you said, I borrowed this. I have a responsibility to pay it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it, you know, and, and maybe the minimum payments are 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever they are, right? And so I'm just going to pay either that or I'm going to pay a little bit more than that. But you decide to take it a step further. You say, man, <laughs> I'm going to pay this off in a year, right? So what led you to say, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it in a year? Man, I wish that
1: I knew that that was going to be the outcome. Uh, So uh, a bald headed guy from Tennessee named Dave Ramsey uh, (laughs) is on the radio, you know, calling people out for bad financial decisions. And I was in a I was in a uh, sales producing role and I just I just looked around me and I was just like, man, hold on. If I pay this off, I'm not going to owe nobody no more money for the rest of my life. And I just buckled down, and I just threw everything at it. I threw uh, savings at it. I threw every, um, I threw every sales bonus, my tax refunds. I just threw everything at it. I never thought that I would pay it off in a year, but I knew that I could cut out things like eating out. Man, like, oh, we're going to lunch. All right, who's driving? Thirteen dollars at Chipotle what it was is I started analyzing my loans. I, I would look at my loan line and I'd be like, okay, loan line number eight has 14% interest. It grows $8 per day, right? If you travel for work, you have a per diem. So you know, okay, per day I can spend this much. Your loans have a per diem. They have so much that they grow a day. When I was at State Farm, we would look at refinancing loans and I would look at the the way loans grew And that's when I really started learning about this stuff. So I I translate that into my own life. And when I saw how much some of my loans were gaining per day, I would look at things that I buy like socks for 10 happy socks for 10, $13. And I'd say, okay, that's how much one of my loans are growing. I need to cut this out. So I just looked at what I was spending my money on. And if it wasn't going towards a goal of getting rid of this, then I would put it on the back burner until I got there. Little did I know that I was uh, uh, on a path of of paying it all off within a year. That was just a little grace and mercy that I got because I, I got so intense about it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you touched on a few of those, those habits that you had to tweak. Right. And so, I mean, what else did you have to do in order to kind of get the ball rolling on this thing? I mean, were you doing any kind of budgeting? Were there any apps or anything like that? Like what was kind of keeping you organized and helping you get some structure around paying this thing off? Just my goals, just
1: my future. There were, there were, there were habits hanging out. That was really tough. Like, You know, oh, such and such, you know, is doing this. They're having to get together at the house, you know, get some food, get this. And some of the habits were just, it's just social beings, just being social people. That was, that was probably one of the hardest things. Um, I wrote about it recently um, that some of it was just going out to lunch. I, I worked in sales and so I lived off of a moderate base income, but then, when I got my bonuses, man, I would head to the Outlets, J. Crew, Banana Republic, uh, uh, Kohan. I would, you know, I I worked hard. So I had the I deserve syndrome. And that was one of the habits. I think probably the other biggest habit was doing a lot of traveling. I had to cut that down just to go and see family. And it was it, it's tough. the The toughest thing is is when you are with a cohort, when you're with a group of peers, and they're so used to doing these things, and then you stop, and it's like, is is every like what's wrong? Are you good? Like I remember one time we went to a uh, a restaurant called Chef Rob's here in Atlanta, and it was a going away, and one of my peers like very loudly like Kofi, you're not going to you're not going to eat, and I was like, no, I'm good, I'm not eating anything, and then my boss was like, oh, I'll cover your food. And I was like, no, I I ate before I came. And then like, there was this awkwardness to it. And I just wanted to crawl under the table and say, food here is $14 a plate. That's why I'm not eating. That's why I'm not eating. I'm trying to pay off my debt. And it was this this recurrent thing that I felt like I had to hide and I had to duck and dodge people. That was, those were probably some of the biggest habit, like some of the most Imposing and tangible habits was just cutting out the social aspects and really not knowing how much debt that I was taking on, in addition to not really paying attention to my loans.
0: Yeah, you know what, man? The social circle thing is so powerful, right? Because, you know, when we went on our debt free journey, my wife and I paid off our debt. You know, nobody, obviously, nobody around us was doing it either. And so, We, you know, we would go out all the time and, and then it started to be like, oh, we're, we're declining app. You know, we, we just wouldn't even go like you would even, you would show up. We just wouldn't (laughs) even go. We just say, no, we're not coming. And so it was just, it was an interesting dynamic. And so I'm just curious, looking back on it now, now that you're where you are today. Is there, Would you have handled that any differently or would you have kind of done it the same way?
1: Yes, that's yeah, that's real. The the one thing I would have done differently is I would have been more open. I would have told people that, hey, I have student loans and um, I want to pay them off to be debt free and and really take control of my future and stop paying for uh, debt from my past. Um, I would have had a budget. I would have budgeted much better um, other things that I would have done is I probably would have learned more about my student loans. Um, but also I would have found like this space that me and you are in, right? We're, we're very used to a lot of people in this space on this debt free. I would have tried to find that community sooner because man, when you're doing it by yourself, people just don't get it. Like I know it's hard. It's, it's hard. Like it's hard. people just don't get it. Even my soon to be mother-in-law for the past two years, she thinks we've been part of some MLM, some marketing scheme. Like she <laughs> thinks like there's an MLM. And just a couple of weeks ago, like my fiance, like, yeah, uh, my mom thought we were in some type of marketing pyramid. And I'm like, we were just paying, we're paying off our debt. There's no anything to that. So I probably would have just been more transparent, but it was very hard to try and get people to understand that. Hey, I packed my lunch today. I'm, I'm just going to eat at the office. Uh, hey, I, I, you know, I can't come to the I can't. I, there are weddings that I missed. Uh, there were baby showers that I missed. There were birthday parties that I missed. There were brunches that I missed. And that was probably the hardest piece. Um, I don't know how I would have balanced it because they required for me to fly. They weren't local. Some of them were local and they were, you know, brunches of 20, 30 dollars. And I just could not, I just could not stomach it and sleep well at night. Like sometimes I would have the this regret of, man, I spent, I shouldn't even went. Like I should have just ignored the text. I should have not even opened up the invite because it's this dichotomy of I have goals, and once I've I've reached these goals, I can do all of it. Versus I can go spend the money, but then I'm just going to be salty about it. And people don't, to me, the I guess what connects it all for me is. At the end of the day, if I fall on hard times, there are very few people who are going to open up their pockets, their bank accounts to take care of me and to help me with real life stuff. And that's like what keeps me going is, you know what, if I do fall on hard times now, I have myself and I will be okay. versus having done things which would have been at my own peril um, had I tried to keep up with with other people and things that were going on
0: no that man that's a that's a perfect answer and I mean that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because, and as you know, you know you do this the same as me talking about money can be it's just a taboo subject like people will tell you about their sex life before they talk oh yeah about money, all day right? and it's just it's 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 the craziest thing, and so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to to open up this platform and give people opportunities to just talk about money um to kind of break that down but you know going back and just looking at the totality of your entire debt free journey i mean what were some of the the other you know the most challenging or, or pressing things that you faced i mean i know for us you know during our journey i lost my job my wife has lupus she got sick missed a lot of work and like those things like severely hampered our progress and it 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 made it kind of it made us kind of question things and so was there anything like that for you that happened in the middle of your journey? And if so, how did you overcome
1: it? Um, I, I would say there were two things. You talk about losing your job. I was there uh, April 30th, 2013. My boss walks in and says, hey, Kofi, today's your last day. We're making some changes. We got acquired. Um, I woke up that day with a job. And I'm before lunchtime, I didn't have a job. A week later, um, I, was, uh, I was adopted by a Ganyan family when I was like in middle school, high school. Um, the eve of Mother's Day, my, uh, my little sister called me and she said, hey, mommy just passed. Uh, we're going to be burying her next week. And so I remember I was in a board meeting and I had a, um, a nonprofit that I served on and I had an event coming up and I said, hey, I have to go to, you know, bury my mom, say my final goodbyes. And I remember the president of the organization, um, I'll never forget it. C.G. Townsend walks up to me and she said, hey, if you need, I can I can get your ticket to Ohio. And that to me was probably like. Now, it was one of the most graceful and loving acts that that happened to me. But at the time, it was probably the pit. Like I felt like that was rock bottom to me. I'm going to bury my mom. I don't even have money to fly to Ohio. Uh, Drove to Ohio and I got a speeding ticket. I told the state trooper, I saw him shoot me and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm going back home. And when I used to go back home, I'd always have, you know, money. I would come with gifts, but came empty handed. There was just a lot of self doubt. Um, you know, I definitely was in a mode of depression around the time. There's a lot of identity. I think you might be able to relate as a as a man to being a breadwinner, to taking care of your family, taking care of your home. And now, I don't have a job. I, you know, have lost my mom. I I don't have prospects of other jobs. I'm just looking, and it was, it, it just, um, you know, and and I tell the story because like this money thing is not just. Uh, a earning and a paying off debt thing, it's a life thing. Like when you have big right, losses, right, right. sometimes what is money at that point? You know what I mean? Like I I, I scrap I scraped up enough on my credit card to fill up gas. A couple family members looked out and you know gave me some money. They they knew where I was but there was this shame and this guilt that I had done something wrong and being laid off uh that you can't even explain. So when I think about some of the lows, I think that that was probably one of the, the hardest points in my life um, was dealing with all of that. Um, but then another challenge within my life was um, I dealt with anxiety and I took a month off of work. And um, it was probably one of the things where I came to appreciate an emergency fund. Because when you go on unemployment, uh, your insurance company doesn't just pay you. And so I had to fight with them and they, they declined my um, request for unemployment. And that was a really tough time for me. And if I think I didn't have an emergency savings fund, that probably would have been uh, even worse a little of my life because your bills don't take a break and they're not apologetic. Right. They, they keep going.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say that. And and I didn't plan on this being a part of it um but that's something that i've i've dealt with as well is is anxiety and I, i'm fully aware of how that affects my spending habits like there there's certain modes that i get in where it becomes actually a spending trigger mm-hmm. for me right where where i feel certain things and 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 even now right as a professional as somebody who's considered a financial expert i still kind of deal with that um, so I mean, it was for you. Was there did that affect like any of your spending habits or how you manage money or anything? Your just your general anxiety.
1: Absolutely, I, the medical bills came in, dog. Like they, they, I had something to write home about. Like the medical bills right. came in. I had to go see a sleep specialist because I was having panic attacks. Um, the way I viewed health insurance that 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 was a thing to me and and you talk about triggers is whenever i get medical bills i think to a time where i had bills that were really bad um but I, other than that i can't say that there's much that um that that are triggers for me um other than i think probably my biggest trigger man is is uh, we we talk about all this right we're in the comfort uh, assumably within some comfortable space my biggest trigger is is seeing homeless people. We went to a men's shelter and volunteered on MLK Day, you know, a lot of a lot of African American men, and I think that's probably my biggest trigger because I never look at myself past being where they are in a homeless shelter. And that to me is is one thing that always triggers me is I don't right. think I'm above bad things, you know, a couple bad breaks, right. especially people that live check to check that to me, I think like, oh man, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. But there are people trying to eat, trying to find their way home, mm-hmm. um, fighting addiction. And so that to me is always like a space that always hits my heart um, is knowing that there are people that are just struggling and going through such hard times and what can I do uh, to help? And, and that's probably like one thing that always hits my heart is, is always seeing, especially in Atlanta, there's a big a big homeless population here.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I have a lot of those same thoughts. And and for me, that stems from growing up in that place, like growing up in poverty and never really forgetting where I came yeah. from. And like, you know, remembering the times where, you know, the electricity wasn't paid or the water was in like all those things. Um, and so for me, yeah, I think that may be a part of, you know, the anxiety trigger as well is just, thinking back and reflecting on my own Mm -hmm. life and being like, you know, now having this kind of rational and sometimes irrational fear of like, man, okay, you're like, you know, two, three bad breaks away from that place. And like, it kind of, it's motivating at the same time, but it's also fear inducing as well, you know? So. No,
1: no, I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah. So moving forward a little bit, you, you become debt free in a year, right? And so you know you're reclaiming your cash flow and all those things. You know once you become debt free, what was that next step for you financially? Ah,
1: <sighs> man, just if if you wouldn't mind, I just want to touch on one more thing of 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 triggers. Sure. I would say probably one like one thing that triggers me is unemployment, the idea of losing my job because I remember like such a low place that I was in. I would probably say now that's like a thing that keeps me going to save aggressively. That if it's ever to happen, that I never fall into that into that low place, um, but yeah, once I became debt free, and I, 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 I've thought about this, I didn't know. I, I really did not have a path. Like I did not know. I I had been reading about stocks and I've been reading about investing, but I did not know. So much of my journey was just getting rid of it and living in the moment of getting rid of it that. I'd been asking for help with this thing, but I never asked for sight past that. And that's one thing that I just was not ready for. I didn't know if it was going to happen. I Like the last payment was about $10,000. And I went in and I just paid off 10,000. I was just like, let me just get rid of this thing. I talked to some people. I talked to some friends, but so much of my time was just paying off the debt. When I got there, it was just like, I just came to an empty house. It was just like, okay, I looked around and it's like, what now? I, I didn't have a plan other than just continuing to save. And I wish I had something better. And, and hopefully to the viewers, one, one piece that they can take from this is, is think about what's past that. To your question, once you get there, start thinking about that now. Is it real estate? Is it a duplex? Are they stocks? Are they mutual funds? Um, is it a, a vending machine? Is it a side hustle? Is it a passion project? Um, is it, you know, doing something that you really wanted to do? I, I never put much thought into I was very short-sighted. And I wish that I had a better vision of of what I do. But past that, I was just like, I'm going to keep saving and I'm going to save so much money. I'm going to be rich. And uh that that didn't happen. There were there were some some curveballs, but just saving was, was the only thing I could think of.
0: Okay. So up to this point now, I mean, talk to me a little bit about how you are actively building wealth for yourself and for your future In you know, from today going forward.
1: So man, that's, I'll tell you, it's so hard. It's so hard to keep it going. Like business school came knocking on the door for me. I was thinking about going to get an MBA I'm um, looking to buy a house. So I'll I say a lot of times there's more of a challenge to like stay in that debt free space uh, just because so many costly things. I had an O2 Lexus that, that died on me. And so um, I donated her. Uh, and it was just like, all right, well, man, it's cool. If I go and I, I take a loan, I paid off my debt really quick. So I can, you know, I can get a car and I can pay it off quick. It's just like, it just keeps knocking. So, that's probably that's one thing that I, I always try to share for people so they don't feel like once you're done, you're just done and there's no more temptations to go back into that space. Um, but for me, I I'm on a fire path to retire early. And so it's maxing out my my 401k. It's maxing out my Roth. It's a high yield savings account. It's investing. Um you know, right now the stock market isn't doing well. It's a good time to go shopping and picking up things. Um, for me, it was learning about how wealth is built in this country. Now I know how to do this budgeting thing. Now I know how to pay off this debt. But I will say that um, past this point, I've, I've probably I've seen my net uh, worth uh, increase um, just by not having to pay the the, the student loan. Uh,
0: person. Right. So, and going back to the part where you were paying off debt, I mean, you, you know, you were um, not eating out with friends and you made all these sacrifices and all these lifestyle changes. Are you still living that <laughs> same type of way or have you eased up on that a little bit? Because I know, and the reason I ask that is because a lot of people out there, when they hear you say fire, they're going to automatically think, like, oh man, here we go. He's living like a caveman. You know what I mean? And like, and that does and for me, that's not the case. And so I'm just curious what your lifestyle is like now that you're pursuing fire.
1: It's, yeah, my lifestyle is, so I was, um, I'm trying to think of the last place I traveled to. I was in Ohio, went and saw friends and family. Uh, my friend had a birthday. We took him out to a nice lunch. Um, we, you know, when we were in Ohio, I met up with an old friend. Uh, my fiance, her her sorority sisters traveling into town. She's like, hey, can we cover? Can we buy dinner for everybody? Like, we do. Not, I don't live like a caveman because I don't. I'm not paying anybody's interest anymore. I don't owe any person. So I will say the biggest thing is is just just keeping it tight, man. Like whenever people think about a budget and pursuing fire it doesn't mean that you cut everything out. You just know where your money's going. And I just live like a value. It's my time and my money is spent on things that I value that I think are important. Brunch isn't important to me. Clothes aren't important to me. An expensive car isn't important to me. Uh, But I think I live a very, very modest and joyful lifestyle, man. Like, you know, some days I I really want to eat a good meal and I'll say, "Hey, let's go on a date." And I don't feel bad. I don't. I don't care. I say, "Hey, let's do it again." We we grocery shop, uh we prepare our meals for the week. And when we grocery shop and get our meals, we prepare delicious food. Like this week I'm eating jambalaya, I'm eating Indian. Um I am not cutting out the the sweets or the the things that you remember in life, like I have all of my needs and then some, and I get to save aggressively. That doesn't mean that I don't visit my family. My niece said, hey, I'm going off to college. I need a computer, cash app, send me your cash app. What kind of laptop do you need? Okay, it's X amount, boom, it's done. Family need money. Okay, they need a little bit more money than what I've allocated. It doesn't, like my life doesn't miss a beat it doesn't. I live a very, very fulfilling life. And I get to the, I guess the nice part about it is, is I get to do everything that I have always wanted to do. And then some, I never thought that I'd have stocks. Like I grew up without much, like nobody was talking about the stock market to me. I I have so much that I'm so blessed and so lucky Um, And I think that that's probably what, like, this whole thing is about to me and you is, like, we live, you know, good lives. And so uh, the things that other people find value in of expensive jewelry or, you know, nice this and nice that, like, that's all an option to me. It's just not a value to me. And so that's where I spend more of my time, I think, and, like, I buy really nice books, like I'll order a $20 book and I'll enjoy it. And I'll read it twice because it fulfills me in a way that maybe to somebody else, that $50, $60 steak fulfills them. And to me, reading and getting that fulfillment and sharing it with people, sharing my story is what fills me.
0: So you said something interesting there. You, you were talking about your values and being able to take care of family and like buying laptops for family and all that. But then me sitting here thinking back to earlier when we were talking and it was like, you know, you went through a, a really tough time and you you couldn't really afford to even be there with family. All right. So talk about how that feels to have that come full circle to, to be able to like not afford a plane ticket home one time. But then now you're like sending money to take care of your family's needs in another season.
1: Oh, man. It feels good. <laughs> it feels it feels good, man. It's like everybody eats, man. Like, you know, rappers talk about eating ramen noodles to eating steaks and lobsters. Like, that's my steak and lobster. And that's what it's all about, man. It's like, man, we're eating good, man. Like, you know, I'm a big uh, uh, Game of Thrones fan and, and one of my best friends, you know, we talk about eating like kings. We go to this place in Detroit. I think it's like Magnolia Grill or something. And You can go when the way the plates are set up, like you have to stack up a bowl and like we go and we feast. He like teaches me how to make everything stick so we can have a feast and we eat good. Um, You know, I have family that that has that deals with cancer and they have to fly into Atlanta for treatment. And it's like, okay, when are you coming? I'll get your plane ticket. Okay, this person wants to come here for the summer. I'm going to it, it feels good. That's that's what I live for. Right. Like other people live and they put money into and I'm not here to judge them. And I don't think you are either. Like what's important to you is is relative. But to me, that's what I do it for, because when I pass, I can't take it with me. So if I can set up for my future, set beneficiaries in case something happens to me, have my bank accounts go to my family, my stock brokerage accounts go to my family, have my um, retirement go to my family all my investments, like this is what I live for. Like I I just, man, you know, it's like I had a family member who when I was getting ready to leave, they were like, hey, let me fill up your gas tank. Who am I not to do that for somebody else? It's just like decency, man. And because I've had so much love in my life, to your point, like I went through a really tough time. And when, you know, I, I meet somebody who's who's lost a job or you know, if I get them lunch, or if I just give them a word of 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 um, encouragement, like who am I not to do that, man? Like I, I grew up in the in the in the ninth grade. I'll never forget his name was Mister Ball. He was my ninth grade science teacher. He slammed his hands on my desk, and he said, "You will never amount to anything. You will never be much." Like that's where I came from. So to be in this space now and to be able to to eat good and laugh and enjoy stuff and you know tell tell you know I saw I saw my family member in the barber shop once and I was like hey dad I was you know I walked in I gave the barber the money and then we just laughed it was like okay I see you I see and it's just like <laughs> we we don't grow like we didn't we didn't work hard to stay in a in a in a poverty and in, in right, a place right. of poverty man like we grew up to hey here's you know here's a little tip and here's some money for your pocket like right. that's like oh man like that is to me, the epitome of why our parents and our family work so hard, whether they're able to give it to us all, um, it just feels like the fulfillment of a dream of our ancestors.
0: Absolutely. I, man, I feel that a hundred percent, like a hundred percent. So in your words, and I, and I already know the answer to this question, cause I felt your energy and your enthusiasm come out. It just leapt through the, the screen on <laughs> that one, but was like, like i mean thinking back on everything man all the sacrifices all the the embarrassment from you know being asked questions when you're not eating and like all that stuff i mean was it all worth it to get to this point
1: um absolutely absolutely uh, my favorite book is the alchemist and in the alchemist um you know it's about it's a journey of a shepherd and he he goes to uh the palace of a rich king and the king gives him a spoon with with oil on it. and he says, you know, explore my kingdom and, and look at everything, but don't drop the oil. And you know, the boy came back and he said, I didn't I didn't drop any oil from the spoon. He said, but did you see any of my riches? And he says, no. And then he tells him, do it again, but take in everything around you. I feel like in that time I took everything around me. I dropped a little bit of oil on that spoon. But to be in a place where honestly, I, you know, sometimes when people say something crazy to me at work, I just have to tell them, hey man, I will be okay if I leave, but you will have to manage this workload if I'm not here and you will not do it as well as I do. And it'll take you time to find somebody to fill this. You will have a team that won't be led like, man, I just I don't take I just don't take disrespect or rudeness from people because of a paycheck. And I know that sounds very arrogant or terse, but people like withstand not getting medical treatment because of, you know, they might not have the money for it. People stay in jobs that they don't feel fulfilled, that they don't feel good in because of a paycheck. And when I can look and I can say, you know what? If something happens, if I lose my job, I'll be okay. It was absolutely worth every single minute of it. I will liquidate every stock to take care of my family. I will get rid of every dollar in my bank account because I did it once and I'll do it before. And it was it was absolutely worth it. It was absolutely worth it, without a doubt.
0: So let's turn the the focus to my neighbors who are, are listening to this podcast right now. Yes. yes what yes. would you say to someone that's sitting here, hearing this and they want to get started on their own journey, but maybe they don't know, you know, that first step or, or what they can do. What would you say to that person?
1: I say that person take, take in a deep breath and know that it's possible. I, you know, went many years being unemployed. Um, I went years of being underemployed, not making a lot in jobs. My first job was I made maybe 9 or $10 work in security. Um, it's possible. And surround yourself with people. You know, follow um, winning to wealth. Like, listen to these stories and in, in, in ingrain yourself in the culture of possibility of growth mindsets, because unfortunately um, some people have fixed mindsets and they don't think things are possible. And there were people, I, I, I'll i be honest with you. I remember I took, when I did open up to one of my friends, uh, they said, well, I'm going to marry a, I'm going to marry somebody rich. So I'm not even worried about my student loans. And my boy was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to wait until I get into upper management. And I make more money. I'm going to wait until then. Don't wait. Like, right? do not. Don't wait until you get a raise. Don't wait until you, you know, come into some money um, because it just might not happen. And if you can live on less, uh, you will do. You will do a lot more. So my advice would be." Look at your debt. Whenever I coach people, it's like, all right, we have to look at all of it. We have to look at the number. They're like, I don't want to look at it. But once you do, and once you take it in, put together a plan, and just stick to it. It it won't be done quickly. It took me a year, and and I understand that's anomaly, and that is not the case for everybody. But even my fiance is taking her several years, and the goal is to do it by the end of the year. So um, just don't feel alone. Um, and know that on the other side of it is relief, is not having that debt. And it is then your job to share your story so other people know that it can be done. Like, you have to pay it forward. You have to pay it forward because you can do it. You you got this. Like, what other option do you have to to just continue to be in it? Like, you can my my message to people is, is it can be done. There's so many people that have done it. There's so many people that have done it. It just takes a little bit of growing pains, um, but it's, it's
0: absolutely worth it. It really is. feet, my man. Hey, I appreciate that answer. That was incredible. My last thing for you, I want to give you an opportunity for you to tell the people where they can find you if they want to follow along on your journey. And if there's anything you have to offer that you think could help the listeners, feel free to share that as well. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, So you can find me at
1: 400poundelephant.com. That's 400lbelephant.com. You can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 400 lb elephant. Um, if you're looking for, you know, somebody to come and speak about money, about budgeting, about paying off debt, I'm the guy for that, um, as well as uh, financial coaching. I do work with people who, who are not in the state, who are not in the city. I have people from California to Mississippi um, to uh, Washington, D.C., and, and I live in Atlanta. And so, um, as a financial coach, I, I help people like I'm like a trainer for personal finance um, and, and I help people put things in perspective. So you can reach me at 400 pound elephant. If you message me, I message back. I love the space that I'm in where I can always be very interactive with people that follow me.
0: Awesome, Kofi. Hey, thank you again. And I'll be sure to link to your profiles in the show notes, which you neighbors can find at winning to slash episode twenty one. That dot winning2wealth.com slash episode 21 for the show notes. But I do want to say thank you again for coming on and being open and transparent about just the ups and downs of your journey to FIRE. Um So thank you again. And for you neighbors, I do want to let you know about something that's coming up. And that is our side hustle series, which will be happening the entire month of April. That's right. Every single Wednesday in April, we will be featuring a guest that has found a way to create some additional income on the side. And the best part is I've tried my absolute hardest to bring on guests with side hustles that anyone can do from anywhere. So be on the lookout for that every single Wednesday in the month of April. I'm definitely excited for you guys to hear some of these interviews. Also, if you're looking to just get started on your financial journey, there are a few things you can do. First, you can download my ebook, Winning to Wealth. This guide was created to give you simple and clear steps to take as you look to better your finances. And you can find that at winningtowealth.com slash guide. That is guide. Another thing you can do if you're looking to get started on your journey is you can join the neighborhood. This is our online family where we talk about money freely and openly. So be sure to stop by if you need that accountability from other people who just get it. To find that, you can go to winning slash neighbors. That slash neighbors. But thanks again for listening to another episode of the Wealthy Neighbor Show. We'll talk soon.